Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, this is Marshall Poe of the New Books Network. The NBN is run by volunteers, but we do have expenses. If you'd like to support us, please go to any New Books Network website. There you can make a tax-deductible contribution. Just click the Donate to the NBN link and follow the instructions. Alternatively, you can click the Amazon link before you make your Amazon purchases. Since the NBN is a member of the Amazon Affiliates Program, hello, this is Marshall Poe of the New Books Network. The NBN is run by volunteers, but we do have expenses. If you'd like to support us, please go to any New Books Network website. There you can make a tax-deductible contribution. Just click the Donate to the NBN link and follow the instructions. Alternatively, you can click the Amazon link before you make your Amazon purchases. Since the NBN is a member of the Amazon Affiliates Program, Amazon pays us a small fee for referrals. Whether you can help us out or not, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the following interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in French Studies, discussions with scholars of France and the Francophone world about their new books. I'm your host, Roxanne Panchassi. My guest today is Alison Drew, the author of We Are No Longer in France, Communists in Colonial Algeria, and the book was published by Manchester University Press in 2014. Hi there, Alison. Hi there, Roxanne. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. Could you get us started, Alison, by telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what got you interested in working on Algeria? Okay. I'm uh, American-born. I have uh, now dual American-British nationality. Uh, I did uh, a PhD at uh, UCLA. Uh, I am an Africanist. And uh, I started off, uh, most of my work on Africa has been on South Africa. Uh, and that's actually how I began to uh, 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 stop off in Britain and how I ended up teaching in, in Britain for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm, now re- I'm now retired. But my interest in um, French studies began actually with Africa, uh, specifically Algeria. And my interest in Algeria began comparatively um, having worked on South Africa. Your original intention for this work, Alison, was to write a comparative study of communism in Algeria and South Africa. So I guess I have a couple of questions along those lines. What would you say makes that comparison make sense as an idea? But what changed your mind uh, about doing the comparative study here? Well, the, um, the the two countries, Algeria and South Africa, have many interesting uh, parallels. Uh, 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 firstly, both were settler societies with uh, massive land expropriation. Both had working classes that were rigidly divided along uh, religious, national or racial, racial lines. And both, unusually for Africa, had socialist movements and communist parties. Uh, so those would have been uh, points of uh, departure. Uh, had I uh, proceeded with a comparative book. Uh, but then there are also uh, important differences, class structure, that Algeria remained uh, more rural than South Africa throughout the 20th century. Hmm. Uh, it's, Algeria had a traditional Muslim-landed elite 
South Africa had no black landed elite as a result of the land policies enacted by the white uh, states. Hmm. Uh, so South Africa's class structure was flatter than uh, Algeria's in terms of the uh, indigenous populations. And then they also had important differences. One, Algeria's social cleavages uh, religion uh, and nationality were reinforcing. Uh, Algeria had uh, what I call a clash of two globalizing religions, uh, Islam and Christianity. So religious differences reinforce national differences. There was less space for secularism to develop. And that's different from South Africa, which had cross-cutting cleavages. Uh, Christianity subsumed local indigenous religions and uh, Black uh, leaders such as Nelson Mandela were educated in mission schools, and that uh, allowed a common discourse across the color line, more space for secularism than was the case in Algeria. So I would have compared uh, those those factors uh, uh, were I doing a, a comparative study uh, uh, and looking at uh, how the, the similarities, similarities and differences uh, shaped the development of communism in, in both countries. So in this book, you decided to focus on Algeria. What moved you away from that initial idea of doing a comparative project? I felt that there was a, a great need uh, for uh, a single book examining the development of communism in Algeria uh, during the period of French colonialism. Uh, there, there are very few books on uh, the communist movement in Algeria, uh, and they were all in in the French language. Mm-hmm. And I feel that I feel that Algerian communism has uh, has a very rich experience, and that much can be learned by looking at its history. So, um, I wanted to ask you about the title of the book, Alison. We are no longer in France. Uh, could you say a little bit more about that choice of title and uh, and what it means for you? How you think it. It expresses the the content and the arguments of the book? Well, I think that a paradox of uh, colonial Algeria was that the French state tolerated democracy in France, but not in Algeria. It was uh, ruthlessly repressive in Algeria. And that uh, repression was recognized by French communists uh, when they traveled to Algeria in the 1920s. Hence, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the statement, we are no longer in France, uh, which one of the French communists wrote back to the, P- the French Communist Party headquarters in Paris. Uh, he was referring to the political conditions, the repression. But the uh, this statement implicitly poses the national question. That is, if they were not in France, what country were they in? Hmm. And that, that actually was the, the key dilemma which uh, confounded communists in Algeria. Uh, through uh, through these ensuing decades, uh, uh, dealing with the national question. Mm-hmm. You note, Alison, in the introduction that um, there is an existing historiography of communism in Algeria, and you pointed out earlier that it's largely in the French language. But could you say more about what the lines of argument have been uh, in that existing literature and scholarship and what sort of intervention you're making in this book with respect to those conversations? Well, the uh, the main historian of uh, Alger- of uh, communism in Algeria was uh, Emmanuel Sivan, uh, and uh, he argued that uh, the communists tried to build a small counter society in their party, but uh, that they were unable to do so, uh, so that ultimately uh, the party 
ruptured uh, into a, a European section and an, a Muslim Algerian section, in a nutshell. Uh, and uh, I didn't think that that was really an accurate uh, way of uh, looking at the problem. Uh, for one thing, I don't think he he adequately addressed the complexities of the situation in Algeria. Not only the 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 fact that social cleavages reinforced each other, uh, that the climate was um, not hospitable to secular politics, but also the intense repression. So that uh, that was one of the, the the problems that I kept in my head when I was uh, working on this book. Uh, also, our thinking about communism in general has has shifted over the last uh, several decades. So I felt a, a fresh look at communism in Algeria uh, was um, very important. You make the point um, in the introduction, and then you come back to this elsewhere in the book that the that your project here in this book is to look at communism in Algeria on its own terms. Could you say a little bit more about what that means for you? Well, not to look at it as a subset of the French Communist Party. I think in, in that is um, uh, really what I had in mind when I was mm-hmm. thinking about that. But one has to look at it uh, in the context of Algeria. What were the constraints opposed them and also imposed on them? And also, what did they do? Uh, how did they respond to these the difficult environment? And uh, as as with any small socialist grouping or any non mass based politics, uh, there's always a question of uh, trial uh, and error. Mm-hmm. Error. And I th- I think that the communists in Algeria were particularly creative in responding to the constraints. Uh, and thus uh, I talk about political space. I think that they uh, were quite creative in trying to expand political space in a, in a context in which they were um, often uh, hounded and repressed and, and banned. That's, I think, w- one of the um, creative combina- co- uh, contributions that the communist mo- movement in Algeria has uh, made. How did they uh, deal with political space? How did they try to expand it? I wonder if we could back up a little bit, um, and, and if I could ask, sort of a naive question, which is to say, is it fair to say, Alison, that the history of communists in Algeria, you know, the subtitle of the book, is the history of a political party? Is that how you would characterize it? That is the history of, in the book at least, that it's the history of the Communist Party of Algeria that you're focused on? I think uh, uh, what I'm trying to say is that communism in Algeria was a movement. Mm-hmm. Now, it, as a movement, it began, let's say, in 1920, and it was very much uh, uh, imported from from France. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, the early uh, uh, communist movement was founded as a region of the French Communist Party. Right. But the actual Algerian Communist Party was only launched in 1936, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was uh, finally smashed uh, in November 1962. Uh, but I. I feel that rather than focusing solely on a specific organization, one can understand more by looking at communism or socialist currents uh, as a longer term movement. So that's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to do here. But a a movement that is caught uh, between the pressures of the country that it emerges in, but also caught by the pressures of uh, France and the French Communist Party, with which it uh, um, Communism in Algeria had a very close 
uh, uh, relationship, and also the, the pressures of the international communist movement, the common turn, the common form in the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. You make the point, Alison, that in terms of your response to the existing historiography, one of the things you're trying to rethink or revisit is uh, perhaps a trope or a a habit uh, within that historiography of characterizing the story of communism in Algeria in terms of a a narrative of failure. Could you say a little bit more about that? Uh, Yes. Uh, The the narrative of failure, uh, it's uh, easy to to fall into that trap, so to speak. Uh, I think, uh, A, because the Communist Party was smashed, and especially from 1962 on, when a one-party state uh, took power. It was not possible to to talk about the uh, the Communist Party or the role of communism uh, in the anti colonial uh, struggle. Uh, there was a, a, a political space to talk about uh, the role of communism. Simply closed down under the FLN and also uh, even in France because there was so much public support uh, amongst progressives for the FLN. Uh, whereas the uh, the Communist Party of Algeria was uh, stereotyped as being uh, a European party, which was uh, not at all the case. And uh, it, they simply uh, often were not there to talk about their history, or uh, they were in prison under the FLN, or they were too traumatized to talk about their history. So I think that uh, one can easily fall into... Uh, the the stereotype of of negativity that the Algerian Communist Party had only a negative history, but I think that that's not the case, and that's why I want to. That's why I use the, the idea of political space. How how did they uh, struggle? Uh, how did they try to build a movement, whether whether or not they succeeded, under the very difficult conditions uh, uh, that they faced? I wonder if you could. Just comment, Alison, on the the quantifiability of adherence to communism, you know, party membership, that kind of thing. So we get a sense of, you know, what percentage of the population are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Well, I think uh, at its peak, uh, uh, even at its peak, it was uh, tiny. Uh, At its at its uh, at the uh, uh, at the moments of lowest ebbs, we're talking about a few hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, people who were in in either the Al- the um, Algerian region of the French Communist Party or in the newly launched uh, Algerian Communist Party, but by by uh, uh, the late 1930s, uh, uh, 36, uh, especially 37, there may have been a few thousand members of the Algerian Communist Party, but then that uh, ebbed and flowed. Sure. Uh, and uh, let's say after the Second World War, uh, immediately in the aftermath of the Second World War, uh, there may have been uh, uh, several thousand, uh, five thousand uh, members of the Communist Party of Algeria. However, uh, they were disproportionately European at that time for various reasons. Uh, but uh, perhaps in the 1950s, before the War of Independence uh, started, uh, I would say maybe, uh, you know, perhaps 10,000 or so members. But by then, I think that the membership was uh, much more Algerian. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the late 40s, in the early 1950s, um, uh, more and more Algerian youth began to join the Communist Party because the nationalist organizations, firstly, were um, um, uh, locked into sectarian battles with each other, uh, Mm -hmm. political rivalry. And uh, they did not offer uh, space within themselves to debate uh, certain key problems. 
but also secondly because the uh, Communist Party offered uh, allowed the possibility of dealing with uh, what we now call social justice issues, unemployment, uh, poverty, class inequality, things like that. And so that also attracted uh, uh, young Algerians. However, uh, the, this is still a question of uh, estimation. Mm-hmm. So, so only a minute uh, proportion of the population were communists. Right. One of the things that I found most interesting and, and impressive about the book is sort of how you're managing all of these different vectors, uh, sites and, and, and locales from the local to the international, uh, but also uh, the relationships between you know, the Communist Party of France, the Communist Party of Algeria, Moscow and the Comintern, um, thinking about uh, how other powers and sites, the British, uh, South Africans are looking at what's going on in Algeria. You come at these different uh, sites and vectors by pursuing a number of different types of sources. So I was just wondering, Alison, if you could talk a little bit about all of the different uh, archival materials you draw on in the book and and what some of the, the new material uh, that you're working with in this book uh, might be? Well, the um, uh, obviously uh, secondary literature, secondary articles, uh, many Communist Party publications, uh, and uh, the the archival material came from uh, was mainly located in France uh, for my purposes in, in Aix en Provence uh, uh, in the French overseas uh, archives. Uh, some archival material was in uh, Paris. Uh, 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 the French Communist Party archives. Also, Moscow, uh, which is a good source for the period uh, of the Comintern uh, up through the uh, very early 1940s. If you're looking at communist history in different parts of the world, uh, the Comintern archives in Moscow are invaluable. Um, one of the things that um, moved me the most was uh, uh, prison memoirs. And so I use prison memoirs, uh, memoirs of communists when I'm talking about uh, the the period of the war of um, of uh, independence. Well, and you also look at uh, the some of the records of the British consulate. Is that right? And yes. Also of the South mm-hmm. African Communist Party records. Yes. That, yes. Uh, could you say a little bit more about that? Well, I think that the British consulate also offered some uh, uh, interesting material because they they of course uh, uh, based in Algiers offered uh, the the a British governmental. Uh, perspective on communists. Uh, and uh, then you have, it's an English language. Uh, most of the other sources were French language. So I thought they were, uh, they gave different points of view. So I'm trying to, uh, here in this book, show how different uh, uh, observers, uh, how different uh, people uh, view things, the different perspectives that they that they offer. So I I, I like the uh, uh, I liked using the the um, British Consulate archives for that reason. Uh, they were they were also an interesting counterpart to the French uh, state uh, mm-hmm. perspe- perspectives because of the rivalry. Uh, even though the French and, and the the British were obviously at the time they all had the common. Uh, hope of uh, maintaining their colonial empires, mm-hmm. but nonetheless they were happy to uh, uh, to uh, engage in a bit of rivalry with each other as well. Uh, and then, um, uh, yes, the S- South Africa, uh, well, it, South Africa is uh, an important um, uh, contrast. So I uh, occasionally uh, uh, used South African uh, newspapers, uh, but more often uh, the the um, uh, uh, 
communist newspapers, let's say uh, L'Humanité, sometimes mm-hmm. talk, talked about uh, uh, South Africa. So I, I added some uh, occasional comments uh, uh, about the South, the South, the Communist Party of South Africa as a comparison. You know, how were uh, uh, communists in Algeria looking at uh, uh, the, the communist world in South Africa? I wonder if you could say a little bit, Alison, about, you know, the challenge of working with French colonial archives. Does it require a kind of reading against the grain? I mean, how do you use state sources to understand communism and uh, maybe particularly in the colonial context? And then as you move through the study, um, particularly within the context of, you know, the Cold War, um, are those issues that you had to that were challenges for you uh, doing this this research and writing? Right. Well, I think that in using archives, uh, uh, using archives is difficult, uh, particularly if one is under time uh, uh, pressure, for example. But in using archives, you do have to uh, read against the, the grain. It's not uncommon for states to exaggerate communist influence for example, uh, and uh, uh, see uh, tiny communist uh, uh, groupings as uh, massive threats. And I think that one can see this at times uh, during the Cold War in Algeria, uh, that even though the, the, the Algerian Communist Party had been hounded, it was repressed, it was underground, uh, many of its members had been uh, were killed during the war or they were in prison. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, I came across some papers uh, Uh, written by, uh, I think, French uh, 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 state officials uh, that suggested that uh, the Algerian Communist Party would have been the the opening through which the Soviet Union would have gained influence in Algeria or North Africa. And that is uh, objectively uh, uh, an exaggeration. So one has to bear those Mm -hmm. perspectives in mind. Uh, But at the same time, I... um, when I was uh, looking at uh, the uh, the material that they had in the uh, at Aix-en-Provence on the uh, uh, the armed wings of the the armed wing of the Algerian Communist Party, that is a combattant de la libération, the, the uh, liberation uh, fighters. Uh, what was very interesting was how systematic the French state was, or the colonial authorities were, in. Uh, putting together what was going on. That is, immediately when um, uh, arms were stolen by uh, a French uh, communist who was helping the Algerian Communist Party, they they were stolen with the idea of using them in the armed struggle. Uh, uh, The um, French colonial authorities uh, sent out letters to all of the little uh, um, uh, local officials saying, please let us know what's going on with your local communists. Uh, And uh, they all wrote back and they said, we noticed that so-and-so was absent. He went missing. Uh, He's no longer in the town. He went missing two months ago. And then another said, so-and-so went on uh, leave from from his trade union post. Uh, He's no longer in town. And and then another one uh, uh, wrote back and said, Several new communists have uh, come on the scene in here around Orléansville, uh, and uh, the, the the colonial officials were very very skillful at putting together uh, what was going on. Where uh, uh, and it is for this, uh, it is exactly for that reason that uh, when uh, when the um, uh, at one of the uh, important uh, uh, maquis. Uh, 
started by the Algerian Communist Party or its, its armed wing, the Combatant de la Liberation, that was uh, around uh, Orléansville. And uh, the, the state was able to find out where they were uh, through this method uh, of getting their, you know, all the local officials to write in. And they were able to uh, uh, almost predict where they would end up. Uh, they knew there were communist clusters ar around that area. And so that enabled them to, to sweep in and uh, smash the communist maquis there. Mm -hmm. In the introduction to the book, Alison, you describe the project as one that examines the efforts of communists in French colonial Algeria to imagine the Algerian nation. And certainly from the introduction on, this idea of the kind of tension between the nationalism, anti-colonialism, and the internationalism uh, of communism, that tension is explored in different ways throughout the book. Could you say a little bit more about how you're dealing with that issue throughout and what some of the conclusions are that, that you reach? Uh, yes. The um, Algerian Communist Party and the Young Communist Movement in Algeria and also the Algerian Communist Party were under a great deal of pressure from the uh, French uh, Communist Party. And uh, I think geopolitics is important here, that uh, the close geographic proximity of Algeria and France, and then the fact that France claimed Algeria as, as part of France, um, uh, uh, imposed particular pressures on uh, uh, the Algerian Communist movement. Uh, uh, so when uh, uh, World War II uh, uh, was uh, unfolding, the Algerian communists were put under tremendous pressure, and they succumbed to that, to backtrack on the call for independence and to uh, call for the unity of Algeria with France to fight against fascism. So throughout its history, or throughout the history of communism in Algeria, certainly from the 1920s uh, uh, through the late 1940s, uh, the Algerian, uh, uh, Algerian communists uh, uh, fell under the sway of the French Communist Party. And that impeded their ability to, uh, 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 to open themselves up to conversations with uh, uh, Algerian nationalists. Uh, uh, by the, uh, the late 19, uh, the, the uh, early 1950s, however, uh, as more and more um, Algerian youth were joining the Communist Party, I think that that uh, relationship shifted. Uh, the pressure of uh, uh, of the uh, uh, new Algerian uh, membership, some of whom climbed the hierarchy, uh, uh, became uh, more intense. And the Algerian Communist Party was uh, forced to choose in a certain sense. And uh, uh, they focused uh, their energy on uh, trying to understand uh, what was the Algerian nation. Now, they, uh, they eventually came to the view that Algeria was uh, a land that was uh, predominantly Arabo-Berber in composition, uh, but one uh, that was also uh, pluralist. They had a, uh, the, the population was pluralist, uh, uh, different uh, religions, uh, uh, overwhelmingly Muslim, but also some Jews, some Christians. Uh, so they, uh, came to the conclusion that Algeria, while uh, predominantly Arab uh, Berber, was, should also be a, a pluralist society based on uh, individual rights uh, uh, and, uh, uh, and tolerance. So uh, uh, over time, I think they, they, they broke with the French Communist Party on a number of different issues, 
uh, especially uh, during uh, the War of Independence. Uh, and over time, they then uh, developed their own uh, view of the Algerian nation. They had, well, I, I quote one uh, passage of a, of a publication uh, of the Algerian Communist Party that had the view of a, a, a nation uh, like a river, uh, which is constantly being fed by different tributaries uh, and that uh, evolves over time. And I think that this is, they had an idea of a, a fluid nationality. Um, I want to come back, Alison, to this idea of the interaction between the, those of European descent and um, Algerians within the communist movement and the, the Communist Party of Algeria, and, and, and also to come back to your intervention with respect to previous scholarship. You make the point that, uh, that that tension between those populations and the disproportion uh, is part of the narrative of failure that people have, uh, have, have insisted upon. What is your intervention with respect to the role of race, ethnicity, and religion in the communist and national politics of Algeria? I think that uh, obviously uh, uh, there were uh, uh, tensions throughout, uh, but one of the things that struck me was that uh, the Communist Party did try to deal with them. This is the Algerian Communist Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could not, it could, it couldn't avoid dealing with them. The, the political pr- pressures were so intense. Uh, 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 in its early days, it was overwhelmingly European, or people of European descent were in uh, the. Um, the, the Algerian region of the French Communist Party. Uh, but by the uh, late 40s and early 50s, my sense is that, uh, uh, that, that those uh, proportion had, that, that proportion had changed. And uh, the, my sense is that the majority of the people were uh, Muslim Algerian, uh, uh, perhaps two-thirds uh, Muslim Algerian, one-third uh, uh, European. There were tensions and pressures uh, for example, over language. Uh, however, some of the, uh, the the European communists who lived in rural areas tended to uh, speak uh, Arabic, and thus uh, the the language used reflected the the demography of the local areas. And I think here I want to stress the point that uh, the, you have to look at communism in Algeria in terms of the localities, not simply as the headquarters in Algeria. Algiers. Uh, so in a largely Arabophone uh, area, the, the main language was uh, uh, Arabic. Uh, in, in the towns, and especially the coast, coastal towns, French uh, 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 remained dominant uh, for a long period of time. Although if you look at some of the, uh, the records of their conferences, uh, they also had people uh, intervening uh, and speaking in Arabic, and there was uh, uh, translation. So, um, uh, so that's one uh, way. The use of language. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what what uh, 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 sections are using uh, what languages? I think is is uh, an important uh, uh, means of uh, uh, trying to get insight into how uh, the national question inside the party was being addressed uh, during the war. As the war started, uh, the uh, the tensions between Europeans. And Algerians broadly across the society became more acute. Uh, racism uh, intensified. And that pressure, of course, was felt within the Algerian Communist Party. And um, um, some of the uh, European members left. Uh, but that then gave more space 
to the Algerian members. So what about the role of state power, um, Alison? You uh, make the point that the French state's responses to communism in the metropole are different from the state's responses to communism in Algeria. Could you say a little bit more about that? Overall, uh, the the uh, the French state was uh, ruthless against uh, communists in Algeria. Uh, 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 now, the French Communist Party itself is, was subjected to repression at various uh, points of time in the late uh, late 1920s, uh, uh, at the start of the Second World War, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so on. However, uh, the uh, communists in Algeria were particularly uh, subjected to repression. Uh, uh, during the in 1920s, because of the Rift War, for example, if you look, if you measure imprisonment of uh, communists in Algeria compared to South Africa in the 1920s, in Algeria, communists were put into prison routinely for two years. Uh, in South Africa, they were put into prison at this period of time for two months. So this suggests to me that state repression against uh, communists in Algeria was particularly acute both compared to France and, and also compared to uh, Algeria. And then during the war, uh, uh, the, uh, the French state archives uh, indicate this, that uh, there was fear, there was a fear because of the Cold War, that, um, uh, and also because of uh, behind-the-scenes American influence, that uh, 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 there was a fear of uh, nationalist-communist alliances. And therefore, the French state seemed to me to be quite ruthless about tracking the communists down. I mean, and, and also there were lots of uh, articles in the, the French newspapers about the uh, uh, communist activities, uh, the smashing of certain communist cells and, and so on and so forth, which uh, actually makes it surprising that, uh, that the myth of uh, communist inactivity during the war was able to become uh, pre- after the war, because Le Monde and the other French newspapers were writing about uh, communist uh, activities, communist cells, uh, uh, the communist maquis and so forth during the war. Uh, but, uh, so the, the communists uh, then offered uh, a particular target for uh, the French state. Of course, so did the FLN. I mean, the, the French state was ruthless against uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 all of them. You made the point sort of at the beginning of our conversation, Alison, about when talking about the, the comparison with South Africa, that there was more room for secularism in South Africa. So I guess I want to know sort of more specifically how the book deals with, with religion and what role religion played within communist activism in Algeria over the course of the, the period that you cover. Well, uh, at, at various points of time, the uh, uh, communists in Algeria did make alliances with uh, uh, various religious uh, movements, the progressive uh, uh, ulama, for example, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 1930s and uh, the 1940s. Uh, uh, now, to some extent, the, the Communist Party's willingness to make alliances reflected the broader uh, uh, tensions within the communist world, the Fre- and especially the pressure of the French Communist Party. Uh, 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 but the communists were open to making alliances uh, for much for much of their history in Algeria with uh, any type of uh, uh, democratic uh, force, uh, uh, any force that was opposed to uh, repression. And the, and one of the key, maybe the the key uh, vector of repression in Algeria uh, during this period 
was uh, the attack on uh, Islam, that the Islamic religion was uh, uh, thoroughly degraded by the French colonial state. Uh, and hence, uh, the, uh, the Algerian Communist Party, especially as more of its members became um, Algerian, uh, but even aside from that, just in, more generally, they wanted to address this uh, this problem of the the attack on the uh, uh, Muslim religion. So, so they they did deal uh, 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 repeatedly through the decades with the problem of uh, religion, and uh, uh, in terms of uh, members uh, and and meetings, uh, there was uh, uh, also a tolerance and a flexibility. For instance. At some of the Congress uh, meetings of the uh, Algerian Communist Party, uh, some of the members would uh, uh, stop and um, and uh, perform their prayers, for example. Uh, so that was simply uh, uh, tolerated. And one thing that I found quite interesting was uh, in the Tlemcen uh, region, where uh, there was some uh, uh, there's a history of uh, communists who were very active in that area, and. Uh, and uh, uh, some of the uh, the communist uh, men recruited their daughters, and uh, their daughters uh, used to uh, uh, propagandize. But because of the there was a a, a, a strict uh, uh, segregation of the sexes in particular um, arenas or particular areas of societies, so the women uh, communists uh, um, uh, worked amongst women, uh, local women. Uh, and held meetings for with local women, and the men communists uh, worked amongst uh, local men. So they were able to. Uh, uh, they accepted that this is this is the reality. They they accepted and respected that this is uh, uh, this was the local custom. Uh, but nonetheless, they were able to to spread uh, to do their work uh, as well as they could as as communists by having uh, female communists talk to women and and male communists talk. To men in the in the rural areas, I thought it was very creative that they did that. Mm-hmm. Well, this sort of leads me to my to another one of my questions that I wanted to ask you, which has to do with the the place of gender in your analysis. So you've got and I started talking about this already, but could you have more to say about how gender plays a role in the book, the different roles that men and women played in the communist movement uh, in the history that you're exploring here? <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, uh, uh, I think that uh, the Algerian Communist Party, uh, like all uh, communist parties, was uh, male-dominated. There's no question about that. Uh, I think also that the the particular uh, gender politics of Algeria meant that it was more difficult for women, Algerian women, especially Muslim Algerian women, to become uh, engaged in uh uh, communist politics in particular, but nonetheless, some did. Uh, so there's, there's always individual uh, uh, variation. What struck me again is that, that uh, the women who, uh, women communists um, went out to seek Algerian women and to try to organize them, not necessarily on, uh, on the mandate of communism, but on social justice issues. Uh, and they, uh, they went to places where women congregated. Uh, that might have been uh, uh, marriage ceremonies or um, 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 fe- different types of um, female cultural activities. So they sought them out there uh, and um, and um, uh, organized them there uh, around different issues. Uh, they 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 went into the different spaces that people occupied. In other words, uh, so 
uh, women communists went into uh, women's spaces to talk about uh, the needs of uh, Algerian women, for example. And I thought that was, uh, and it, it was successful. Uh, also, uh, one um, uh, woman uh, communist uh, who was very interested in uh, 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 social issues uh, organized uh, um, women via uh, Ala Ushish. Uh, she organized uh, women uh, to uh, who were congregating outside prison gates during the War of Independence. Uh, so initially, these women were um, uh, um, uh, coming to the prison gates to find out news about what was going on with their family members, mainly men family members, because. Uh, most of the people in prison, certainly in the early stages, uh, especially were men. Uh, but uh, 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 by drawing them uh, together, uh, the, the 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 women's demands to see their their fathers, their husbands, their sons uh, became um, more broader political demands for the human rights of political prisoners. So that's one way that um, uh, uh, one of the many interesting ways that. Um, communists could organize. They went to where people were congregating and organized them on the basis of the, the conditions that they found. Another point of comparison you raised at the very beginning of, of the interview was this idea that Algeria is more rural um, than, than South Africa. And I, I guess I want to ask you about that, the, the rural context here and its relationship to the urban uh, with respect to the development and history of communism? Communism has a bias uh, of uh, being uh, urban-oriented. Uh, this goes back to, uh, uh, well, Marx's uh, uh, late 19th century and 20th century communism. So communism tends to see uh, the urban working class as the, uh, the main, uh, uh, the, the focal point of any movement for change. Now, in countries uh, like uh, Algeria and also South Africa, uh, because of the divided working class, uh, the, the, those divisions, the social divisions uh, b- between religion, national, uh, nationality, uh, uh, race, race, racial divisions are so intense that you, you don't have the, you can't really think about a united working class that transcends those divisions mm-hmm. at, at these moments and times that we're thinking about. Uh, uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, the, the communists did uh, in Algeria did organize first and foremost uh, workers in uh, trade unions, uh, both European and uh, uh, Algerian workers. European workers uh, certainly, for the most part, reflected the values of European so- settlers in Algeria. That is, they were racist uh, and uh, anti anti Islam, anti uh, anti Algerian. But um, it, nonetheless, the communists also were organized in rural areas. Now, the uh, War of Independence began in rural areas, and uh, uh, one thing that I noticed as I was writing this book is that the pressure within the Communist Party of Algeria to engage in armed struggle also came disproportionately from the communists who were in rural areas. Mm. Uh, they, uh, as one of them uh, pointed out, uh, uh, it was the rural people who felt the brunt of colonial oppression the, the most uh, intensely. And so uh, it wasn't surprising, perhaps, that the rural, uh, particularly given the repression in towns, uh, that uh, it was in the rural areas that armed struggle began. 
so uh, in any case, uh, communists did organize in rural areas, and the pressure to uh, join the armed struggle uh, began was mainly felt from the rural uh, members, uh, and this was a, a, a this created a tension precisely because of the urban bias of communism as a, as an ideology. But nonetheless, they did um, eventually the the um, Intensity of the guerrilla struggle uh, was such that the communists did join uh, uh, the War of Independence, firstly through their own maquis, then later on merging with the Algerian uh, liberation, with the Liberation uh, Army. We've talked, uh, Alison, about, you know, the contribution that you're making here with respect to different historiographic treatments of the history of communism in Algeria. And I'm just wondering what you would say the book's major contribution or contributions are in terms of illuminating our understanding of, well, the war of independence, specifically in the liberation of Algeria. The main point that I want to make is that the war was pluralist, mm. uh, that there were many different political perspectives uh, 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 that were uh, uh, could be found during the war of uh, liberation. The, uh, the myth perpetrated by the uh, FLN, which became uh, the one-party state, uh, is that, uh, in fact, uh, there was uh, unity, uh, uh, one people, uh, one army. But I think that even though there was a broad unity for independence, a broad uh, consensus on independence, there were different points of view about how do you get that unity, what does it mean, and the need to respect uh, and tolerate difference, uh, individual rights, uh, different political perspectives. So I want to make the point that the, that the Algerian Communist Party was there during the war of uh, liberation and uh, that the war was uh, in, uh, uh, pluralist. Uh, I, I also want to make the point that uh, the, the Algerian Communist Party uh, changed uh, the unidirectional uh, top-down uh, uh, approach of uh, communist policy uh, because of the pressure of the war. Uh, uh, historically, uh, the the direction of Communist Party had flowed from Moscow, the Soviet Union, uh, the PCF, the French Communist Party, and then the Algerian Communist Party. But uh, the War of National Liberation uh, transformed the relationship between uh, the um, the French Communist Party and the Algerian Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And the Algerian Communist Party broke with the French Communist Party on uh, several different issues: support for sabotage. Uh, 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 for example, uh, opposition to the Special Powers Bill, uh, uh, the, the uh, desertion from the French Army, uh, uh, the PCA, the Algerian Communist Party supported desertion from the French Army. The, the French Communist Party did not. And then finally, uh, recognition of the uh, provisional government of the Algerian Republic uh, in uh, um, uh, late 1958. The Algerian Communist Party recognized the uh, uh, provisional government of the Algerian Republic in November 58. The Soviet Union recognized it in late 1960, and the French Communist Party only recognized it in early 1961. So the the PCA did, in this sense, become an autonomous and Algerian uh, Communist Party, breaking from the traditional top-down approach of uh, policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, flowing from that, another uh, a question that I pose hypothetically, is do communist parties necessarily have to follow the Soviet uh, model? I think one of the interesting things about the Algerian Communist Party 
is that through the course of their uh, work in the late 40s and the 50s, uh, they developed uh, a dual notion of freedom and also dual notion of rights, freedom from repression, freedom to develop uh, individual rights and collective rights. And I I think, uh, therefore, there was hypothetically, and that's only hypothetical, we don't know, the possibility that uh, the Algerian Communist Party did not necessarily have to follow the idea of a one-party state. They opposed, in fact, at independence, they opposed a one-party state. Well, of course, they were a tiny, minute uh, grouping. From a pragmatic point of view, they didn't have a choice. But nonetheless, uh, I think that their their history in the late 1940s and uh, in the 1950s and through the war opens up the question, could uh, a communist party have... uh, uh, become uh, more democratic. Uh, did uh, was there space within the broader uh, field of communism or socialism to follow an independent path that would not be one based on state power uh, over uh, in the suppression of democratic rights? So I'm 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 just hope I'm po- I pose that question hypothetically. So what of the watershed of independence then uh, in the book? What uh, what does independence do? to the communist movement uh, in Algeria? By the time of uh, independence uh, in in July 1962, the the Communist Party was uh, virtually smashed. Uh, It existed as individuals and grouplets, uh, or uh, many of them were in exile. They'd had to flee. Um, uh, uh, Many of them had been in prison uh, uh, as well. Uh, But nonetheless, in that period of uh, uh, the few months, uh, July, uh, August, September, October, there was also a certain political fluidity, I I argue. Uh, There were signs that um, the minute uh, uh, PCA uh, was gaining influence because people were looking for for answers to questions, what kind of society is Algeria going to be? And the PCA, then the Algeria Communist Party, was uh, eager to to engage in such uh, discussions mm-hmm. and debates. So I think it was gaining in influence. And the, the FLN, by contrast, um, although it had preached unity, by then its divisions were out in the open. It was a, a struggle for power. Uh, and in November 1962, the uh, FLN banned the Algerian Commons Party. And over the next uh, few years, the, the space in which the, the uh, uh, communist active, activists could uh, uh, engage in was uh, progressively clamped down. So uh, I think that uh, a bit um, a moment of a few months of political fluidity uh, then was then um, closed down. Mm-hmm. And it made it virtually impossible for communists and, and other leftists to to organize, and we can see this then, particularly with the coup d'etat in, in 1965. Uh, you go on in the book, Alison, to explore the legacies of this history, you know, from the interwar years right up through uh, independence, the legacy for post-independence Algeria and for contemporary Algerian society. Could you say a little bit more about what you touch on there and, and what some of your conclusions are? The the um, uh, that the the legacy of the Communist Party was one of uh, uh, that respected uh, tolerance and pluralism and also democratic rights. And when we think about communism today, because of the uh, uh, well, the, the 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 collapse of the Soviet Union, the uh, neoliberal uh, 
uh, uh, wave that swept the world after after the Soviet Union's collapse. Communism was uh, uh, has been painted, uh, and socialism more broadly has been painted in a very um, uh, one dimensional manner. So I think the legacy of uh, of communism in in Algeria would be uh, 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 to think about pluralism, to think about uh, uh, tolerance and respect for difference. I think this is the the point uh, that I was making. There, there is uh, then the political rather, rather than the historian's uh, uh, point of view uh, comes across. Then uh, the the Communist Party uh, of Algeria also had a hope for uh, uh, a vibrant civil society. Uh, a vibrant civil society is the uh, is fundamental for democracy. Democracy is not just a question about uh, formal elections. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, rotation of uh, political parties, but rather about people getting involved. And so uh, um, I wanted to stress that point as well. When one is thinking about uh, contemporary Algeria or in, indeed uh, contemporary South Africa, the need for and and not to mention uh, contemporary United States, the need for a vibrant uh, civil society in order to uh, achieve democratic rights and uh, on paper, and also make those democratic rights real. Do you think, Alison, that there might also be um, lessons for the contemporary French left uh, now, (laughs) uh, is what I mean by contemporary, um, with respect to learning from the Communist Party of Algeria at particular moments, how the Communist Party of Algeria... Uh, attempted to create and expand political space, uh, as you mentioned uh, earlier in our conversation, and also some of the uh, strategies with respect to inclusiveness, religion, gender, any of these kinds of things. Do you think that that there might be lessons for for France's left today, and particularly the Communist Party? Well, I think it uh, would be important uh, uh, for the French left and, and also the French Communist Party to to think about uh, uh, this tiny little Algerian Communist Party and to uh, look at uh, the type of activities it, it engaged in, its strengths and weaknesses, because obviously the Algerian Communists made many mistakes uh, over time, and they, they were unduly influenced at various moments by the French Communist Party, uh, although perhaps they had no choice, one, one might argue. But I think that just to to recognize that the Algerian Communist Party was not simply a um, uh, blindly following the French Communist Party, that they worked under extremely difficult uh, conditions uh, and uh, that they were fully involved uh, as far as humanly possible in the war of uh, independence. I think that would be a a big step forward for for the French left when looking at its own history. Mm -hmm. Well, Alison, I've taken up a lot of your time, so I just have one last question for you, which is what are you working on now? Okay, well, uh, I'm I'm very interested, uh, I'm still interested in uh, thinking about socialism, but also um, I'm, I'm interested in uh, the uh, position of women in socialist organizations and movements. They are uh, in the 20th century, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, women in uh, socialist uh, and communist organizations were a minority. I, I want to understand uh, uh, their experiences, uh, how did they cope? Uh, and thus, uh, I'm thinking of uh, uh, doing this through uh, 
a bio- biographical perspective. Uh, I'm not quite sure uh, uh, what woman uh, I would focus on, whether it would be an Algerian uh, communist or, or a South African communist, for example. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, at very early exploratory stages. But I like biography, and uh, I want to focus on, on, the, um, on the, the issue of gender in socialist organizations. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be uh, a, a, a one way that I could contribute to that question. Well, I hope you'll keep me posted if it turns out that you choose to work on a, an Algerian woman or to do a comparative uh, between a, an Algerian woman and a South African woman. Alison, I just want to thank you so much for joining me and for writing the book. Well, thank you so much, Roxanne. It's, it's been a very interesting discussion. 